Well, good to see you in the house of the Lord this evening. If you would take your Bible and turn to Psalms chapter 19. Psalms chapter 19. Psalm 19, beginning at verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is going out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid, hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Lord, as blessing to swear, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege that we have to open your precious word tonight. I pray that as we look into the word of God, that we would encourage us, again, challenge us, and stretch us in our faith, and our walk with you. For your glory and for your honor, we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the testimony of Scripture is that God is always faithful in making uh, with mankind in making known to him, known to man, that is, that he does exist. The revelation of himself. You know, the Bible tells us here that all nature declares that there is a God. Again, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech. Night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. So creation declares to all the world that God is. You know, the Bible doesn't start out proving the existence of God. It kind of takes for granted that we creatures, creations of God, would believe in a in God. And 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 then as we, you know, as you go further in the scriptures, we see this truth taught that creation declares that there is a God. In other words, how did it get here? Of course, evolution has tried to deny that. But you know, all nature again declares that there is a God. Uh, I was talking to a man here recently, and he's a scientist, and I said, Well, I said, you know. There's illustrations in the Bible. Let's think about this. I said, uh, you put a seed in the ground. What has to happen to that seed? For it to produce. Well, it kind of disintegrates. It, I said, it dies, right? I said, yeah. I said, okay. If it dies, it brings forth fruit. And Jesus used that as illustration, except the corn of wheat fall on the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth fruit. You know, I often said that every spring, you know, we're starting to see uh, evidences of resurrection. 
Flowers are starting to come up. Buds are coming out on the trees. Uh, uh, evidences of new life. And of course, all that points to God. And of course, if you look at creation uh, and, and then say it just happened, well, that takes a lot of faith, a lot of faith. But even children know this. You know, the, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 2, the children and the heathen know that there is a God. I remember a missionary friend of mine, he used to say, his dad always said there's no such thing as an atheist. At least he wasn't born that way. You know, he may have been trained that way, but he wasn't born that way. He was born believing there was a God. Romans 2, verses 14 and 15 says, For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contain the law, these having not the law are law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts and meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. You know, even children have a have a a limited, they have some understanding of what is right and what is wrong. And heathen have some understanding of what is right and what is wrong. Their conscience bears witness to them. And you know, ordinary people all over the world know it. Uh, that you know, God reveals Himself to them. He never fails. And so every every moment of time since the day of creation, since God created the world, the world is saying, or creation is saying, I am. I am. And so, of course, the earth, you know, think about the, the uh, I was thinking about the, uh, the other planets. The earth is, as, is uh, like a jewel compared to the rest of creation. It's so, so vastly different. You know, uh, Jupiter and Saturn are just gas giants, basically. Uh, made mostly up of gases like hydrogen and helium. It doesn't even, they don't even have solid surfaces for what they understand. They're not a planet, a rocky planets like the Earth. Mars, of course, you know, the people are keep saying, scientists are keep saying, we're going to try and, you know, find life on Mars and, and, you know, people live on Mars. But the surface of Mars is not hospitable to humans. And uh, there's uh, forms of radiation, uh, greatly reduced air pressure, atmosphere with only 0.16% of oxygen. So humans couldn't survive on Mars. So the Earth, compared to all the rest of the planets, is a, is a marvelous creation of God. And so I want to talk about the faithfulness of God tonight, the faithfulness of God in missions. Uh, we see His faithfulness in creation, uh, of course, this is called natural, or we call this, you know, in theology, natural or general revelation. Uh, a sinner understands something about the invisible God because because the the creation uh, tells them that there is a God. And if you would ask the average person, unless he went to a a uh, public school here in America, uh, he would he would believe that there is a God and that that uh, God created the world. But more and more, of course, are questioning that. But even Romans chapter 1 says in verse 20, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So the things that are made tell us there has to be a maker. Things don't make themselves. There has to be a maker. You know, every design has a designer. All or all art has an order. 
all order has an order. All art has has a, you know, um, doesn't have order nowadays. I'm trying to remember, the, the, there was three things. I, the, um, uh, there's a guy who wrote a book. Uh, I think it's called One Thing You Will Not Do in Heaven. It's talking about witnessing. And he said, you know, every design has a designer. All order has an order. You know, things don't be, get in order without somebody putting them in order. And uh, and so, and all art has an artist. Now, you know, with modern art, we wonder what some of these modern artists are. But, but you know, the creation of the world, the world says that to us that God does exist. Now, we, again, we call this natural revelation or general, general revelation. And it is limited. It does not reveal to us how to know God. It just reveals that there is a God. That there is a God. And by the way, for many people, that's where you have to start. You have to convince them that there is a God. That there is a God who created everything. And, and the truth of the Bible is that when somebody responds to that God, or he's aware of it, that God will often reveal to them more truth, more revelation. And we see this several places in the Bible, particularly in Acts chapter 10. Remember, Cornelius was praying to a God he did not know. He was praying to a God he did not know. He didn't know who he was. But he believed there was a God, and he was praying to that God, so God revealed himself to him, of course, in a special way, and told him to send for Peter, who will tell thee what, that, what he needed to know. And, and so, uh, you know, God reveals himself in creation. You know, I remember uh, it was uh, uh, Bill Rice Jr., I think it was, wrote a book, Cowboy Boots in Darkest Africa. And uh, Bill Rice III told a story about his father going to Africa. He always wanted to preach to the pygmies in Africa. And so he took the trip to Africa and he was preaching amongst the pigs, pig, pygmies and um, the the uh, witch doctor said he wanted to get saved. He was leery. Because usually the person that gives you the most trouble is the witch doctor. But this witch doctor wanted to get saved. And so he went through the, the gospel with him several times going to, because he wanted to make sure he understood and finally the witch doctor Witch doctor said something to this effect. Look, my grandfather was a witch doctor, and my father was a witch doctor. But I look at the stars and I say, somebody made those stars, and I want to know who that is. See, though, and so he was able to give him the gospel. And of course, he received the truth and, and the knowledge of God. So we see here God's faithfulness in creation. The whole world has access to natural revelation. Now, natural revelation cannot save somebody. But that's when you move to special revelation. We see His faithfulness in creation, His faithfulness in the canon. That is the special revelation. God has given us a Bible uh, to reveal Himself to us. And of course, we call this special revelation. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction of righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, through, perfectly furnished, perfectly, perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. And 
Peter tells us that we're born again, not of uncorruptible seed, but of, but of incorruptible seed. Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So, so the way that we are born again or receive eternal life is through the special revelation that God gives us, the word of God. And so, you know, God has faithfully inspired the Bible. He's given us the very words of God. He's given us the words to know who He is, how we can have a relationship with Him, how to live for Him. Everything that we need to know is in the Bible. It's a complete revelation of Himself. Matthew 24, 35 says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. God has given us His words. Uh, Psalm 12, 6 and 7, He says, The word of the Lord, the word of the Lord's are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. So we have this, God's faithfulness revealed to in the Scriptures in what we call the canon, uh, the special revelation of Himself given to us. You know, revelation calls itself the revelation of Jesus Christ. And it reveals to us things about Jesus Christ that aren't so clearly revealed in other places of the Bible. But it reveals to us the, that He is God of very gods, without question, who is going to rule and reign, is going to judge us and righteous, judge the world in righteousness. And so, uh, we see his faithfulness in the canon. We see his faithfulness in calling uh, people uh, to give out the word. You know, again, Psalm Psalm uh, fourteen and verse eight says, or Psalm nineteen, verse eight: "The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes." And so, God calls us to give out the gospel. That's one of His commandments. And to some, he gives a special calling, uh, you know, to to follow him and to uh, to preach the gospel. But to all of us, he he calls us. You know, in Matthew, you know, if you go through the book of Matthew, or even any of the gospels, literally, in Matthew chapter four, for example, in uh, uh, verse eighteen. It says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. He saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left the nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately they left the ships and their father and followed him. So here we see God's uh, the Lord Jesus choosing out special people to carry on the, the, who would carry on the ministry after he had ascended back to heaven and, and to communicate the gospel uh, to to the known world and and so uh, you know they were to take take those who were you know and and give out the scriptures to those who would hear and he does this of course in every generation you know in Acts chapter 10 you have Peter gets an object lesson an object lesson about Gentile evangelism. You know, up until that time, up until the time Peter went to Cornelius, everybody they preached to was Jews. And of course, Gentiles were considered unclean. And they would not go to it. They wouldn't eat with Gentiles. They wouldn't go to the Gentiles. 
And so God, in a vision, you know, brought this sheet down from heaven, and the idea here isn't you can eat anything on it. The idea is, look, don't call any man common or unclean. You need to give the gospel to everyone. That's the point. That's the lesson of the... Of the of, so it was an object lesson in Gentile evangelism, and Peter was called to take the gospel to Cornelius. Of course, in Acts chapter 13, Barnabas and Saul were separated unto the gospel to, to travel and, and to give out the gospel and plant churches. And so there are some that are, that are called to go out. And God is faithful in calling those who will give heed to that call. Fourthly, we see his faithfulness in communication. And this is something every one of us can take part in. Uh, we are to communicate the gospel. We are to communicate the gospel. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, the Bible says, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The foolishness of preaching. Again, we see it's the fullness of preaching that saves them that believe. In Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 18, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 18, verses 24 to 26, we see here's a man who's been preaching, but he doesn't have the full story. And so, two lay pe- two, and I don't like that term, I shouldn't use that term, but two people who aren't, who aren't uh, missionaries or pastors, who are church members, who are faithful in communicating the gospel to others they meet, they take this guy aside, or it says here in Acts chapter 18, verse 24, a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, and an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in, the, fervent in the Spirit, taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom, when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them, and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. So they communicated to him clearly the gospel of Christ, and, and so uh, instructed him in the things of the Lord. And so, uh, you know, we are to communicate the gospel for those who come in contact with. Romans ten seventeen says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so, God is faithful. You know, whenever there's people that need to hear the gospel, the principle seems to be in the scriptures that God will send somebody. For example, look at chapter 8, Acts chapter 8. Philip is at Samaria. He's having a revival, if you will. Lots of people are getting saved and being baptized, and the church is being established there in Samaria and so on. And in the midst of that, and you know, they preached the word and the Lord returned to Jerusalem. That's the disciples did. And, uh, and he preached the gospel in many villages of Samaritans. And the, verse 26 says, The angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he rose and went. Now, why, you might, you know, I think I would ask, Okay, why would I go out in the desert? I mean, Philip's in Samaria in these cities where there's, where he's preaching the gospel and people are getting saved and the Spirit of the Lord says, go out in the desert. But he does. He goes. He goes on from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. He rose and went. Behold, a man of Ethiopia, 
an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem for the worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. So this, this man had been to Jerusalem. He had been to the, to, the, to the religious center of Israel, thinking this is where he would find his, how to get a relationship with God, how to have peace with God. He, he gets, you know, because he's a man of, of means, he is able to obtain an Old Testament scroll, at least part of an Old Testament scriptures, believing it to be, we believe here it's probably Isaiah 53. And, you know, maybe a whole book of Isaiah. We don't know for sure. But, you know, not, that wasn't a common, that wasn't uh, common for everybody to have one of those in those days. But he had it. Again, a man of means. And so he's returning, sitting in his chariot. He's reading Isaiah as the prophet. And then the Spirit of the Lord said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip they would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture we read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb done before his shear, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and he shall declare his generation, for his life is taken from the earth. Now, if all you had was the book of Isaiah, would you know who that's talking about? But Philip knew who it was talking about. And so Philip then opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. By the way, if you were... If you weren't familiar with the Bible, even reading that, you wouldn't know who that was talking about. And so here you have you have men, God calling out men who and, and women who are faithful in communicating the gospel. That's how the gospel is given around the world. We're to take the gospel to every creature. We see also, so we see his faithfulness in communication. Uh, giving out the gospel, God choosing, calling out people, uh, you know, and all of us are, are called to communicate the gospel to those that have never heard. Those that we come in contact with, those that don't know, know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We see also His faithfulness in conviction. Again, in verse 7, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Converting the soul. The Lord, the Lord convicts and converts uh, through His Holy Spirit. Of course, the Bible tells us this in John chapter 16. Jesus told His disciples as He was preparing to go to the cross that uh, when He was gone, the, the Holy Spirit would come. And He says in John 16, 7 through 11, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come but unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe, of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the Prince of this world is judged. So he says the Holy Spirit, when I go away, the, the Comforter, and he, and, and he says that he will not leave us comfortless, uh, the Comforter, He will send Him unto uh, unto us, which that's the Holy Spirit, and He's going to convict or He's going to convince the world of sin. You know, it isn't real hard to convince a person they've sinned. 
That's not real difficult. The difficulty is convincing him that God judges sin. That sin has to be paid for. That God is a holy God. That's our problem today. You know, it isn't, it isn't really that people don't know that they're sinners. You know, there's a few people you run into that think they aren't, you know, aren't sinners. But, but what, what, how, how they can have the righteousness of God is a different story. But see, if, if, you know, the, 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 the natural revelation, the, the word of God, and, 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 you know, God calling people and us communicating the gospel, it's all of no value if the Holy Spirit doesn't convict or convince. You know, we can't convince a person of their need of Christ. The Holy Spirit has to do that. The Holy Spirit does that. It's only He that can give life. It's only He that can open their minds and their understanding to receive the truth. And so, you know, it is He that convicts. Psalm 73, verse 21, Asaph said, Thus my heart was grieved. I was pricked. And that's the idea of conviction there. In my reins. I was convicted in my reins. That's like the in, inner self. Or, you know, my, I was just, just convicted or convinced of my error. You know, and his, his error was he had looked at the prosperity of the wicked and he was becoming envious at the foolish. Until he went to the house of the Lord. And then he said, I was pricked in my reins. In Acts 2.37, after Peter had preached to the Jews there on the day of Pentecost, it says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. And said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? See, they were so convicted and so convinced of their guilt before God, they said, what do we do? They'd be like saying, is there still hope for us? Because Peter just told them, you have slain the Lord of glory. So now what do we do? How do we rectify this? Well, you know, you really can't rectify it. What you do is receive payment for the penalty of your sin. Repent. Of course, Peter told him to repent. In Acts chapter 24, we have the example of Felix. You know, Felix, the governor, who uh, sent for Paul. It says in verse 20, Acts 24, 24, And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Now, I want you to think about this a little bit. Here, here's, this is Felix the governor who had taken somebody else's wife. And, you know, uh, and, and, you know, he was a, he was Felix the fox for sure. You know, they, they lived uh, licentious lives. And Paul preaches to him in reasons of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Felix, the Bible says, Felix trembled. He trembled. I mean, it shook him to the core. But he didn't repent. You know, sometimes people are convicted. 
and they don't repent. You know, there's a difference between conviction and repentance. Repentance is really submitting to the conviction. Felix was convicted. He was convinced of his sin and his need to repent. But he would not. And of course the Bible tells us that he said, go your way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will send for thee. Of course, the Bible doesn't say anywhere that Felix ever got saved. In fact, after two years, Portius Festus came into Felix's room and Felix willing to show the Jews a pleasure left Paul back. That tells me, if I'm going to infer something here, that he never did get saved or he would have done the right thing and set Paul free. But we see that God is faithful in bringing conviction. But men have to be willing to repent. But we see also then His faithfulness in conversion. Again, verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Yes, His Word and the Spirit of God does bring conversion. Does bring conversion. Uh to those who are willing to repent. You know, John 6, 63 says, it is a spirit that quickeneth. Again, the idea of quickening is to give life. So it's the Spirit of God. It's only the Spirit of God. You and I can't give life. We can give out the message. But unless the Spirit of God convicts and gives life, and a person submits to that life, they will not be born again. It's the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profit of nothing. Of course, when when uh, uh, Philip Philip preached then to the eunuch and explained to him uh, who the prophet was speaking about and preached to him of Jesus. And as they're going on their way, and they came into a certain water, the eunuch said, see, here's water. What does him to be baptized? In other words, he was receiving the truth. He was accepting of the truth. The Spirit of God had worked in his heart. You know, here was a man that, was, that received, you know, he had received the truth he had before Philip showed up, but he didn't understand who that was speaking of. And so God sent him Philip. You know, every sinner that comes to Christ through repentance of faith, God will save. But they have to surrender. They have to repent. For the Spirit of God to give life. And so, you know, God is always faithful. God is always faithful. You know, His creation has not changed. You know, as, as cursed as the earth is, with all the suffering and the, 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 the devastation sometimes that's in our world today, yet you, you, you look at the earth and it's, it's, it's amazing. It's magnificent. It reminds you a little bit of what it must have been like. You know, it, it kind of get, you know, sometimes you can get a glimpse because, you know, in the beginning in Genesis 1.31 says God saw everything that he made and behold, it was very good. Can you imagine everything being very good?
And creation still cries out to man that God is. God's Word is still challenging us, calling us to communicate the Gospel, seeking us to be faithful witnesses for Him, both here and around the world through missions. And we need to trust the Lord and His Holy Spirit to convince and convict men of their need of the Gospel and pray for souls to repent and come to Christ. You see, God is faithful. God has given us everything that we need to take the gospel to every creature. We need to be faithful in giving it out and allowing Him to honor His word and convince and convict sinners of the need of the Savior. Let's pray.